can we bring all of these together um, to have uh, you know a solid message with a brand over a, a longer time span and get out of these um, sort of silos and these uh, bubbles of just like it's all about my campaign and my message to work together. Hey everyone, it's Noah Barnett, the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, I'm joined by Jen Newmeyer. She's the Digital Fundraising Director at PBS. And I'm very excited to spend time with you because she's not only an in-house digital fundraiser, but also an author, a speaker, and just an all-around community advocate and good person. So Jen, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Noah. I'm happy to be here. We like to get into the details and you're someone that I'm very excited to get into the details of like, how does integrated campaigns work? Like what's actually work in digital fundraising and all of those details. But before we do, I would love for you to give our listeners kind of some background. Like what was the squiggle or the journey that got you here on this podcast, but also at PBS and in digital fundraising? What did that look like for you, Jen? Well, you know, it's so interesting. I think that, you know, most people, most fundraisers in the nonprofit field these days uh, come to uh, fundraising in very strange and unusual ways. There's not a <laughs> not a lot of people who are like, I'm going to be a fundraiser when I grow up. So uh, I <laughs> I actually started off in um, the travel and hospitality industry. I worked for United Airlines uh, way, way back in the day and then just had a number of uh, roles, you know, at hotels and, you know, in visitors bureaus and that and those kinds of things. But then luckily, I landed a position with um, at an association management firm for nonprofits, and we worked with national uh, nonprofits all across the country for um, combined federal campaign uh, support. So those are the federal campaigns for federal federal employees and state employees. And so that really introduced me to the nonprofit world, and I just sort of fell in love with it. So from there. Um, I worked for a food bank. I worked for the Arts Commission. I was on the board for um, uh, homeless and housing organizations. And then um, got involved with the Association of uh, Fundraising Professionals, the AFP. Did a lot of networking, was working with young nonprofit professionals, the nonprofit communicators, American Marketing Association. Uh, and uh, then went into public media. So I worked for the state uh, PBS station in North Carolina. I worked for WHYY in Philadelphia. And then PBS tapped me for this role. So I've been doing digital fundraising for about two decades in all of my, in all of my uh, past experience. And uh, that's, how I, that's how I ended up here. Well, I love that background and also just the depth of experience you've had because two decades of digital fundraising is kind of way back before many people have were even thinking that digital was a part of their fundraising strategy. And so as you've spent kind of the last, you know, 20 years really digging in on digital fundraising, what has changed in digital fundraising? But almost more importantly, like what hasn't changed about the impact digital fundraising can have on your organization? Yeah, well, I think to start with what has changed, I think back, um, back in the day when I started, um, you know, fundraising through digital platforms, um, there, there were two things that, um, that I think we struggle with these days. The first is 
back then it seemed like the the tech stack, the 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 um, the databases, the ECRMs, the like there was a lot of support in um, in the you know technical setup in the in the tech stack for uh, for organizations that that really helped make a very you know um, a, a real impact. And then the second thing um, that was different back in the day that just warms my heart was like the social media um, aspect of being able to really connect with your communities through social media, you know, organic posting, like everything was new back then, you know, blogs, and there were so many new, you know, there was Foursquare, and there was Vine, and there, I mean, all of these really exciting, unique, you know, um, uh, social media, you know, ways to get your your message out there, your mission, ways that you could really connect with a whole bunch of different audiences. And I don't think we have that as much anymore, you know? Um, so, uh, so I think that, you know, that is, that is kind of, from my perspective, what has changed. I don't think what, I think what hasn't changed is sort of the very, um, you know, uh, basic fundamentals for, uh, fundraising. So, you know, you are utilize, utilizing your owned um, platforms, your website, your emails, you're growing your email file, your, you know, th- like there might be some tweaks about how often you send or the kinds of, you know, ways that you create your emails to have higher click-through rates and those kinds of things. But I think like those kinds of basics, like having a campaign calendar and, you know, um, integrating your fundraising, like those are pretty, some of the pretty basic approaches to fundraising that I think have not changed. Yeah. And you mentioned this idea of like owned platforms. And then obviously there's like earned platforms and rented platforms. And the thing that has changed is we have to pay a lot more rent nowadays to operate off of our owned platforms. You know, most social platforms are pay to play. You know, the organic communities that we all built and had this like flourishing relationship early days is now like, we're being taxed to even reconnect with them, even though we spent all of this effort to do that. And that's just the reality. You know, attention is the most valuable currency. We talk about it a lot here on Good Marketing Unplugged. And it means paying access to gain attention or to seek attention has just gone up. But that idea of like the fundamentals is you're trying to connect with people where they are and bring them closer to your cause. That's what digital offers. That's what non-digital offers as well. And so I, I appreciate you and your experience kind of reminding us that these first principles of connection are still the most important. Over the course of your career, I'm sure you've been deeply involved in integrated digital campaigns and digital fundraising campaigns. I would love for you to take us inside a campaign that you've ran recently or maybe in the recent past where the campaign just outperformed expectations. Like there was just something about it that like overrided what you expected or your team expected. And what did you learn from that in that campaign? Well, I think that, um, you know, there, there are a couple of good examples that I have. Um, there was a digital campaign that, that I did at WHYY that, um, revolved around, um, you know, of course we're a PBS and NPR station. And so it was revolved around a program, uh, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. And we acquired, uh, the program for our platform, which means that, um, you know, they're sort of a paywall. Uh, it's a member benefit called Passport, if you're familiar with public media. And so, um, so this was, uh, a program that was available through Passport. And so we took this 
uh, program and really sort of created an experience for our digital audiences. And um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about um, the growth funnel a little later on. It is my favorite topic. <laughs> but uh, this campaign really focused on, you know, that um, sort of audience journey from introduction all the way to stewardship. And we, um, you know, we had two uh, events that were open to the public. We had, um, you know, a Spotify uh, playlist. We had um, trivia about the program. Um, we had personality quizzes. <laughs> and everyone who participated had the chance to win an ardently, an, uh, ardently Austin uh, Essentials uh, prize box, you know. Uh, and then we had, you know, they could sign up for the newsletter. We had weekly, it was a, it was a four week, five week campaign, I believe, where we review, you know, we did sort of a deep dive into each episode. We had, um, you know, uh, sort of lots of features. And then we also partnered with, uh, two or three local, um, uh, shops in, uh, Philadelphia who offered discounts on, you know, special, cho special specialty chocolates and teas and British boxes and all of those kinds of things. So it really like just went from, you know, beginning to end. Um, and one of the highlights of that, this was during the pandemic. And so everything was virtual. And, um, you know, I was really kind of thinking a way of a way to make it unique. And, you know, there is the Jane Austen house in England. And I, you know, I was like, oh, I wonder if the Jane Austen house is doing virtual tours. So I just like contacted them and was like, hey, would you do a virtual tour as part of this, you know, campaign that we're putting together around Jane Austen? And they were like, sure. And <laughs> like they like they needed help with their like they were also in a fundraising campaign to repair the roof of the Jane Austen house. So we sort of did this shared, you know, for the cost of the, you know, uh, shared um, uh, campaign where a portion of the proceeds benefited uh, would benefit our organization as well as helping to fix Jane's Jane Austen's house roof. <laughs> anyway, we had we had like over five hundred people show up for this event. It was it was really just incredibly um, successful and amazing. And I think everybody loved Lizzie. Lizzie McGuire was the executive director, and I think everyone just loved her, you know, English accent and going through Jane Austen's house and. Um, it was just really, it was just really incredible. We had a lot of great engagement and, um, and I think that it struck a chord with community. Are there lessons you've taken from that campaign and now applied forward or what are kind of some of the shared principles of like what made that successful that you and maybe even our listeners can apply to their campaigns? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it is a matter of, again, we'll, we'll bring up the, we'll talk more about the growth funnel, but it is thinking a little bit outside the box for any of your fundraising campaigns. Like what are, what are elements that are going to draw audiences in? What are things that I, that we can add to this campaign thematically or from, um, you know, a real unique engagement standpoint that, um, that people are going to find interesting. Um, you know, years ago, I did uh, a campaign when I was at the food bank. We did a 24-hour live streaming telethon. And so uh, we, we, 
the, I mean, the first year we had a lot of dead air, you know, <laughs> but by year five, you know, we involved more of the community uh, as a part of that. You know, we had sponsorships and, and we were working with local companies. We had food trucks, we had mascots, we had cake decorating contests and, you know, all sorts of, you know, um, really interesting aspects of the campaign. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, evaluating like what makes this unique um, and how can we expand just beyond the donation ask beyond sending out, you know, some emails for giving Tuesday or whatever. Um, how, how can we involve more of the community either from the theme of the campaign or from our, you know, mission and the, and the work that we do in the community? Yeah. And what I love about that is like typical campaigns are like, okay, we need to inform the community about the campaign and then we need to ask them to do something. And what you're saying is that we need to tease this out. It's not just about informing. It's about it doing that in an interesting way, involving them in that process, and then making sure it's integrated, and then activating them to take those actions. And so it's not just inform, ask. It's create interest, involve the community, make sure it's integrated. Because you're mentioning multi-dimensions. You know, digital, there was like other things that were going on. You were bringing in outside partners. Like that's a very thoughtful approach. And that's about really just activating that engagement to take the action that you want. Uh, that's lovely. You mentioned the growth journey a few times. So I would love to give you the opportunity to explain in a little bit more detail for our audience what that means and then how that can help our listeners think about designing integrated campaigns as they're approaching their campaigns. Yeah, sure. So what I always tell fundraisers, digital fundraisers, or, you know, any sort of campaign that you're creating, um, utilizing the um, steps and levels of the growth funnel to ensure that there are touch points that are reaching um, every type of audience throughout you know, the entire funnel. So it's not just ensuring that, you know, our, our paid ads are bringing in or acquiring audiences. What is the next step after that? What is the next step for conversion for donation? What is the next step for, you know, um, you know, staying in touch and stewarding our audiences? And then what are the next steps for upgrading them or, you know, um, uh, you know, asking for a monthly um, donation or switching from credit card to EFT, you know, always to be thinking about how to um, uh, engage these audiences um, all along the way. And, you know, even after like one of the, one of the very, very simple, you know, things and under one of the un, most underutilized tools, I think <laughs> that, uh, and, and simple, simple thing to do, um, is within your donation, uh, form when that thank you, uh, page comes up and when that thank you email is sent, um, what is the content that is in there that is not only going to make the donor feel good about that donation that they just made, but encourage them to take another step, attend an event, volunteer, um, learn more, download the annual report. You know, um, there's so often that 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 element just kind of gets overlooked and it's a very, very simple fix. So that's sort of like the growth funnel, you know, for, for every campaign that you're putting together, let's examine each of these levels and what are the activities that we can add that are going to act as touch points for them? 
Absolutely. It reminds me of two concepts. One, I was talking to um, John and Becky over at We Are For Good, and we we really dug into the idea of how do you maintain momentum? You know, we get so excited about like, we got them to do what we wanted to. They donated. And that was success, right? But there's so much more to the journey. And how do we continue that momentum? How do you know keep the object in motion, right? Like the physics concept. The other one was what I hear you talking about as a visual is like a nesting doll approach that every time you open one thing, you get the audience to open the next, there's another thing inside. And then you keep going and keep going and keep going, right? Like we're keeping the attention of the audience and you have this like, oh, I got a chocolate and now I get another chocolate and I get another chocolate. And how do you really think through that journey? Um, And the thank you page is a great example. I was just attending Next After's Neo Summit that they host every year, the Nonprofit Innovation and Optimization Summit. And they had uh, Joe um, from Copy Hackers. So she's like a copy uh, copywriter, conversion rate optimization type person, not specifically for nonprofits. But she brought up that same idea where she's like, so many of our thank you pages are just these dead end walls. It's like you just hit a wall and maybe there's a video with someone saying thanks. But it's like the conversation isn't over. How do you continue the conversation? And here at Feather, one thing we encourage our clients to do is to ask questions, to get like to use that as opportunity. Like, Jen, you just made a donation. Like, thank you so much. What inspired you to give? Which of these three topics are you most interested in? You know, are you an adoption? Are you an an advocacy person or the age old one? Are you a dog person or a cat person? Like what is kind of that continued conversation that you can have uh, with your audience at every step? So that that is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I love your analogy of the nesting doll. I might steal that because that is fabulous. It's a vis- I'm a visual dem- person as perfectly a demonstrates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, perfectly demonstrates exactly what it is. If every fundraiser could be thinking of the nesting doll when they're putting together their campaigns, I'm sure we'd see great success. <laughs> there we go. So we talked about successful campaigns and like the core elements, but I know one thing we talk a lot about here in the studio is how we learn more from the scraps on the floor than the flying successes. So has there been a campaign you've been a part of where you had high hopes or you had expectations and it just kind of flopped? And what did you learn from that? 100%. I I think that if you don't have a campaign that has flopped, like you're like... You you have a longer journey in in fundraising in 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 the nonprofit space, but um, but yes. So my when I first started at public media, I came I came from human services. I was working at a food bank. Came to um, the uh, statewide PBS station in North Carolina, and what I was told before I started was, "We don't do any digital fundraising. We need help with this. We have an e-newsletter list of eighty thousand people, and we just don't we just don't do any fundraising." And I was like, "Wow, this is going to be such a cinch because." When I was at the food bank, like we were working with an email list of about 10,000 people um, and I had grown uh, online fundraising from uh, in the course in the span of my time there about 10 years from um, like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to over a million by the time that I left. Like we were doing over a million dollars with 10,000 people. Like, yeah, it was amazing. So I was like, this is going to be so easy. So (laughs) I sort of sashay into uh, into uh, into the station to start putting together my campaigns. And I actually worked with a producer to put together a very inspirational mission driven video 
Um, like we had the GM, you know, giving like his, you know, reasons why he was inspired by the station. And it just was, it was so beautiful. Like it brought tears to my eyes every, like even still when I think about it, like it, it was just really inspirational. And so I used this as sort of the core of this sort of two-step, um, email campaign that I had for, you know, and I worked with our marketing department, figured out the best time to send, you know, all of these things, put together this great email. And I was so excited because it's a great piece going to 80,000 people. (laughs) So I I pushed send. We had the first email and the second email. And from those two emails, I got three donations that I think totaled, I don't know, 80 bucks. (laughs) Like I was devastated. Um, But this uh, was um, a great learning experience because I'm speaking to a different audience. I, you know, at the food bank, uh, we had um, cultivated these, uh, our donors based on the mission of the organization in the community. They understood it and that they were happy to support it. Um, Within uh, public media, their inspiration comes from programs, benefits, tote bags, DVDs, thank you gifts, you know, and most of the people who were on the email list were um, cultivated and um, and acquired through pledge drives. So it so it was a totally different uh, and uh, and unexpected, I think, for the audience to receive this kind of communication um, because that was not that was not really the reason that they were giving. It was not, it was not the, um, core of, you know, their sort of the value proposition for them. So, you know, learn, you know, having learned that, you know, then it became the work became, okay, how do we start getting the audience to understand the mission of, um, the station and the importance and the education and all of the great things that we do within the community and, um, and sort of work from there. So it was a great starting point. I, you know, it was a failed campaign, but yet it gave a really good indicator of the work that needed to follow in the, in the next several years. Yeah. One thing I always tell, people in fundraising or marketing and nonprofits is our job isn't to be right. It's to (laughs) take action and be willing to learn. And it sounds like you took that step. You walked into a new role. There was excitement. Uh, You knew, hey, we got to raise money online. You worked backwards and said, okay, we're going to use email. We have a great email list. We're going to make beautiful, brilliant content, and we're going to send it to the community. And I think it's the mistake a lot of us made, and I know I've made this as well, is we start from what we want and work backwards towards the community And in our good marketing framework we have, and we'll link to it in the show notes, is that you have to start with the community. Like, what's the context? How would they describe their relationship with you? And how does that then inform the content and the channels you use to cultivate connection and then activate them to action? It's not in, in, in lack of getting to that action, but we have to like walk across the bridge as I usually use the analogy on stage and say, where are you at? Because I want you to go over there, but if I don't understand where you're at as a starting point, it's hard for me to take you there. But it's so easy to get caught up. And I, as a marketer, I'm like, I, could, I can see the story you're talking about, right? Like, I'm actually watching the video as you're describing it. Because I've seen those videos and that compelling thing. And you're like, this is going to be amazing. And then you're reminded that if it's not in context with the relationship with the community, it's not necessarily going to resonate. So that's a beautiful example. 
Switching gears a little bit from like integrated campaign design and lessons learned, there's one thing that I know I've talked a lot about, and I'm sure in your two decades in the space, you've talked a lot about, which is acquisition versus retention strategies. However, one thing I've observed, and maybe you, you see this as well, is that we're always competing for our community's attention, regardless of whether they're unaware or they're loyal to us. And it's not just with other charities, it's we're competing against everything, you know, the 24 hour news cycle and Netflix. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you lead your team to think holistically about community stewardship versus siloed by, by how we, the org, see the relationship with them? How do you think about cultivating kind of a holistic relationship with your audience? Yeah, I think this, again, goes back to the core principles of the growth funnel, but also um, from that, creating um, sort of integrated campaigns where you're working with several different departments to not only ensure that you're reaching those audiences, but reaching them in different channels in different ways. And of course, the beauty of an integrated campaign is that you know, with the branding and the messaging so aligned, um, it has, you know, more impact, uh, for, um, for the, the audiences and for the campaign, um, performance. So, um, you know, for example, uh, I, I think that there are a lot of, a lot of nonprofits who, you know, have their direct mail, you know, campaigns, that go out at a certain time of year. They're, you know, they're sort of scheduled all throughout the year. Um, in public media, there are on-air um, fundraising campaigns that happen at specific times throughout the year. <laughs> um, there might be, you know, um, other kinds of campaigns that um, organizations have um, from a fundraising standpoint, but then you have the marketing side of things too. And marketing might have their campaigns based off of the needs, you know, of the um, program or the mission or volunteer needs or, you know, whatever is happening um, within the community. So being able to sort of bring together those, um, you know, departments uh, and creating um, a unified message at particular times is really sort of the best way to cut through as much noise as you can. Um, so for example, what, what we used to do is, you know, during, um, you know, during year end, for example, we had not only a, you know, direct mail, um, you know, that had one message. We had an on-air fundraising campaign that had another message. <laughs> we had um, Giving Tuesday. <laughs> then we had like, you know, the email uh, or marketing team who might be doing things around, you know, um, December engagement. And then, of course, you know, there might be some digital fundraisers who are doing year end. So like, how can we bring all of these together, um, to have, uh, you know, a solid message with a brand over a, a longer time span and get out of these, um, sort of silos and these, uh, bubbles of just like, it's all about my campaign and my message to work together. So, um, what, what I did for a year end in, in particular with all of these different, I mean, it takes a lot of coordination and it's not easy and it takes a lot of time and you have to build. And sometimes you just start with like, how can we expand our direct mail to be a little bit more branded and then bring in, you know, marketing or bring in some of these other, you know, on-air fundraising or whatever. Um, but 
I uh, worked with a marketing department to start off with sort of like in the beginning of November, a little bit of a like, again, looking at the growth funnel, engagement, introduction, um, acquisition. You know, we started off um, in the beginning of November with recipes, you know, year end, you know, Thanksgiving is coming year, you know, year end holiday season is coming, you know, and sort of like a, you know, recipe campaign talking, you know, bringing the audience in with different content that we had related to food and celebrations. And then sort of guiding that, guiding that message and the audience through, you know, giving Tuesday and through, you know, the weeks uh, following the pledge drive and then through year end, but really ensuring that everything was sort of like branded, thematic and, um, and felt really consistent. And I think that um, that is um, one of, one of the ways that you can kind of you know, have that impact from acquisition to retention is bringing it all together. Yeah, I love that because it showcases the importance of seeing your community as one thing and that their view of the organization. I always ask this question, how would they view like describe your organization or their relationship with your organization? Because they might say, oh, I support X or I support PBS or the food bank. How then you flip inside is you have a bunch of different teams, almost like, uh, you know, four Premier League teams trying to compete against each other for the attention of the audience, you know, to win it. And it's like, but they view us as one. And this disjointed experience actually is not a reflection of which department gets more effort. It's actually now I have a fractured view of the organization because my experience is differentiated depending on whether I'm listening to the radio in your all's case, or I volunteer at the food bank and then I get an email or I visit the website, like that disjointedness actually has a high impact on my trust and loyalty, even if it's passive, even if it's not like, I don't trust this organ. It's not that, but it's like, huh, I'm being taxed that I'm not sure what my relationship is because I feel like I'm getting almost like a multi-personality you know, relationship with a human where you're like, which one am I interacting with? You know, Elon Musk's book just came out and they, they talk about how he has five personalities. It's like, I don't know how I feel about like this. Right. And our organizations are almost designed to be these multi-personalities. Um, and so how do we prevent that? And you said it was hard. And I want to address that too, because it is really hard. If you were advising someone, what would be the first conversation you should have if you're pursuing this integrated approach, maybe at year end, like, what is that? What is the starting point? Like, do you go sit down with someone? Do you try to have a cross collaboration meeting? Like, what is day one of building to integration look like? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, for me, starting off as, you know, new in my role at, uh, you know, the, the station, um, made it a little bit easier because I kind of have those introductory, oh, let me just get to know you and know what you do and, and, uh, you know, what, what your goals are in your department. Um, so I think that's an easy way to kind of start those conversations. And, um, and what I did was I sort of identified the people that I just had a really, um, sort of like right off the bat, great, great rapport with, you know, and then a follow up like, Hey, you know, I have this idea. What do you think? And, ha and how can we bring in some other people? Like, do you, like, like, what does Sarah over there in social media do? Like, what, and what about TV, like in marketing? Like, how can we, you know, bring these people together? So, so I think when you're new, like you have, you have your, you know, like new employee card that you can play. 
I would say in organizations where you're where you may have been there for a while, but you're just starting to come up with these campaign ideas, you may already know some of the history of the uh, of the folks within different departments that you could likely work with. So I would say start there, start those conversations with you know, hey, you know, I went to a conference or I listened to a webinar or I listened to this podcast, for example, and they were talking about integrated campaigns. Like if we were to think about doing this, like, you know, what would be your ideas? Like, how could we come together, you know, to, um, sort of maximize this impact with what you're doing and what I'm doing and align those goals and then bring other people, um, along the way. Um, and, uh, and, and, pull them all together into um, eventually what would be sort of a larger meeting that that would hopefully become a recurring meeting where, yes, we're talking about through every campaign, we're talking through different, you know, new ideas for new campaigns, and then moving on to let's put together our robust annual calendar. Like it is the start of the fiscal year. What does everyone have on their minds? What do budgets look like? What can we put together and how can we map out the calendar throughout the year? So it's kind of like starting small with the people that you know uh, will be receptive to your ideas and then building from there. Yeah, I love that because it also started on through inquiry, which I think is just a good quality to have as a digital fundraiser, as a marketer, as a human which is like, what do you do? And how do you all think about A or B? Or have we done C before? And what's our kind of relationship with, you know, blank, fill in the blank? That's, I think that's so important and something that we can all take away. We've talked about integrated campaigns at a high level, and you've mentioned some really practical things like align message between direct mail and email. Practical is a core value of ours here at Feather. So are there other two or three recommendations on where there's like practical integration, maybe between between channels that you've seen effective that someone might want to test or experiment with just practical ideas where it's like, hey, if we do this and this or these three things have the same story, what are some ideas that you've seen play out and have positive impact on people's fundraising results? Yeah, I think that, you know, going back to what we were discussing earlier about owned platforms, um, you know, so a real easy integration would be, um, you know, grow it. So your objective is to grow your email list. Like that is going to be super important for all of your digital campaign efforts, that owned platform and growing that list. So if we were to expand out from that very basic objective, you know, uh, you might work with your digital or website team to say, hey, what can we do with pop-ups? Can we make sure the, the sign-up button um, is very visible? Um, you know, how, like, how, like utilizing um, the things on your website to pull that, that user journey through. Then building on that would be hey, let's talk to the marketing department, see if there are some paid ads that we can do throughout the year sprinkled in between some of these campaigns that talk about the value of our newsletter or, you know, our daily news or our monthly, you know, um, you know, uh, program guide or volunteer, you know, whatever the topic is, you know, um, so you've got your paid search, you've got your pop-ups to grow that, you know, e-newsletter. And then it would be, hey, let's talk to the events team and see if there's a way that they can help, you know, highlight 
um, our newsletter and see if people who are attending events can, you know, be asked if they want to receive news in their, in their email box. So it's sort of, you know, building. Um, I think, I think that's really great for, um, you know, for, um, you know, looking at growing your e-newsletter file, but sort of taking that approach, like what's the core objective and what elements kind of make sense to pull this together into a little bit more of an integrated effort. So, um, and then the same thing would apply for a campaign too. We have Giving Tuesday. What can we utilize on the website, on paid search with um, events? Is there anything within our social team that we could, you know, do we have ambassadors? Do we have volunteers that could help or um, to get the word out in kind of like this influencer way? Um, so, uh, so I think it just starts with uh, identifying all of the tools in your toolbox and um, all of the all of the levers that you have at your disposal for your campaigns or your different efforts or your objectives, and then um, sort of pulling them in in ways that make sense. Yeah, I love that too because so often I think as marketers or fundraisers or just like campaign designers, you know, we're like, okay, what should we create? And I think what you just said was like, where can we connect? And I think those are two different questions, both really important, but it's like we're people are already connecting, you know, our biggest, you know, uh, window display is our website. How could we gain more value or maybe connect with them in this way? You know, we have hundreds of people or five people come to events. How can we connect them back to this? So it's like, where are we already connecting and how do we tie that back to the campaign? A super practical one that adds to this on the email side is we just added an email box to our reply devices on direct mail and we got huge results. Like we didn't ask for anything. We just put the email line item on the reply device and like people would add their email, you know, and then we got more creative, which was like stay up to, you know, I worked at an international relief nonprofit. So it was like stay up to date on all of the international, you know, programs. Right. And it's just like just an email box. We got updated emails. We got emails from people that have been giving only through mail and are only mail donors to finally give us their email address. And then they started giving online. And it was like this. It wasn't this like, how do we convince on offline donors to give online? It was just like, let's just offer them the ability to give us their email address. And we saw huge impacts on that. So looking for those ways that you're already connecting with your audience and tying that back into, in this case, an email campaign or maybe it's an advocacy campaign, or we're looking for volunteers. Maybe it's like a checkbox of, would you volunteer? Are you interested? All of those things. Thank you pages are another great place to capture more information. Um, and so I love that. And that's super, super practical. So thanks, Jen. As we, as we kind of wrap up today's conversation, I have a few like lightning round questions for you. But if you could summarize kind of like one actionable thing, because I listen to tons of podcasts and I'm like, oh my gosh, my mind is blown. But like, what is the one thing you would hope listeners walk away from the studio today? I think that um, uh, understanding the, uh, the importance of collaboration um, for digital fundraising and um, really sort of pondering, like, how can we make this better? Um, when we work with uh, other folks, other platforms, other audiences, um, keeping in mind like the growth funnel when we're putting these things together, I think um, that would probably be uh, the one thing. Collaboration is so very important. Yeah, and I love the nuance of what you just said, so I want to highlight it. It's not only collaborating internally, 
but even looking externally on where are their partners, like you mentioned with the Jane Austen house, where it's like, hey, they have an audience. How do we collaborate with them? So collaboration over maybe comp competition uh, for those objectives. That's great. Often, you know, we spend time here and we're with great guests, but where do you go to spend time with? People have been learning from you, Jen. Who do you follow or keep up with that maybe our listeners can also learn from? Oh, sure. Well, I'm very involved with, and I mentioned it before, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, the AFP. So I'm on uh, the board here for the DC chapter and will be assuming the VP of Education uh, role uh, in uh, a couple of months. So um, the, uh, the AFP has a lot of really great resources. There are AFP chapters all across the country, and they offer uh, really great educational programs for members as well as non-members, and they offer really great networking opportunities. So even if you're not able to be a member, there's still opportunities to get involved with the local um, community. So uh, that is that is pretty uh, pretty uh, high on my list as far as where I go for you know um, information and networking, keeping keeping um, you know uh, keeping up to date on all of the latest greatest fundraising news. <laughs> yeah, I love that, and I would echo that uh, endorsement. I've really appreciated being a part of AFP and being involved with the education programs, including AFP DC through Barbara O'Reilly, which I'm sure you know when she was head of the DC chapter. Uh, also, I will say, if you're a skeptic listening to this about AFP, because you hear, a, you know, Association of Fundraising Professionals, I'm not a fundraising professional. Maybe I'm a marketer, a communicator, or a, a digital fundraiser, and you're like, ah, oh, they don't really do digital. Maybe it's like different. I had that same belief about AFP early on in my career. And then I started engaging with AFP and saw the huge value of having collaborative conversations with multidisciplinary individuals, whether it was major gifts or direct mail or digital fundraisers. And I think I've seen such a push within the AFP community towards looking at fundraising more holistically and, and having representation across the disciplines, whether it's all the way from social to major gifts or even planned giving and everything in between. So if you've been a part of AFP before and you were like, eh, not for me, highly recommend re-engaging because I think they're doing some incredible, incredible things. And that's a great recommendation, Jed. Last but not least, as we wrap in today's studio session, how can listeners connect with you and where can they continue to learn from your learnings? So I have a website. It's charitygen.com. And on social media, uh, my handle is charitygen. So um, you can connect with me there. Um, on my website, I have a newsletter that you can sign up for. Um, I also have my own uh, podcast, From the Nest, uh, and um, the episodes are there. I also have free resources, some downloads, um, particularly about uh, a download for uh, a digital fundraising guide, a growth funnel guide. I even have one on house cleaning because it's so important that we keep an eye on our data, make sure our user journeys are, you know, like when was the last time you actually made a donation through your own website <laughs> to ensure that everything is working? Like yes. all of these things are so valuable, <laughs> so like good. especially before year end. So uh, yes, and I'm on, on LinkedIn, of course, Jen Newmeyer. Excellent. So Charity, Jen, uh, if you've listened to this, you found value, go connect with Jen on LinkedIn or her website. And make sure you say that Unplugged sent you there in the note. 
Jen, it's always a pleasure learning from someone with such a depth of experience. But more importantly, thank you for giving of your time. It's something you can't get back. And I'm grateful that you gave it to us and our audience today. Thanks so much, Jen. And we look forward to having you back in the studio in the future. Thank you. We'll talk soon.